Okay, so let us take some time to meditate on the, the Christmas story, the Christmas scene. Um, um, Valin has read for us from Luke chapter 2, and we'll be looking at that. Um, but yeah, uh, just FYI, again, just a reminder that tomorrow, Christmas Day, we have a service at uh, 1.30, and there's also potluck meal after that. So uh, all of us are welcome to uh, bring good food and share it with everybody else and celebrate in that way. Uh, but yeah, so Christmas is uh, upon us, and um, I wonder if you, you had the chance to see like a nativity play. Like, I can have the clicker, sorry. Um, I didn't see any this year, but I, I've seen plenty of them <laughs> in the past years. And uh, it's, it's quite a familiar scene, I think, uh, for all of us or most of us. And it's especially, I think it's more uh, cute and um, adorable when uh, kids, children are involved and there's like things don't work out as planned. It's like uh, kids doing whatever they want, cute, like waving at uh, their parents and so on and so forth. Last night we were talking with some friends and um, we were talking about all the funny incidents, uh, all the nativity fails, if you like, uh, that happens. And um, things don't work out, right? Things don't uh, go as planned, not, not as smoothly. And of course, there's a lot of um, we, um, jokes um, and it's not working. Uh, can you just, yeah. So um, people m make jokes and fun and like, <laughs> um, and I'm sure like you know uh, those experiences. And I think, I thought this was quite fitting because if you think about Mary and Joseph, right, they're, they're quite young as we saw, as we were talking about it last uh, few weeks back, Mary was in her early teens and Joseph probably not too old, uh, much older than that himself. And they were, we could understand they were making things up as they go along the way, right? They are first time parents, um, they're first born and uh, that is quite intense. Uh, uh, having gone through that, I know what it means. Um, so there's a lot of pressure and giving, giving birth to the first uh, child is in itself a lot of pressure. Imagine giving birth to the Messiah, right? <laughs> the promised Messiah, the, the king that Israel has been waiting. And Mary has all of this uh, foretold to her and we can imagine that she must have been quite in a lot of pressure, uh, uh, never mind giving birth to the first child. So there's a lot of pressure, I think, on, on them. Uh, uh, pressure, don't make mistakes. You know, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. You, you better be careful. You, and yet there's also the sense that you don't know what to expect in, uh, in that occasion. And of course, we see, we know the story, the, how the story of the nativity goes. Everybody else is um, not, not sure what's going on. It's unprecedented. We've got the shepherds who are going to a manger to look for a baby uh, wrapped in swaddling clothes. It's like it's all very strange and very, uh, very things. Everyone's bumbling around, and it's quite a confusing scene, uh, as you can imagine. These are, in a way, uncharted territories, um, looking for royalty in in a manger like that. Um, so I think it's as we think about the nativity, as we think about the scene of the Christmas. I think for us, we do it every year. We see it every year and we rehearse it every year, so it's so familiar to us. But I think we must not forget that uh, on the first day, like it, it how it must have been, right? It must have been quite, quite, quite an experience, quite something to witness. Um, of course, we always talk about how it wouldn't have been uh, a cute and quaint scene. Uh, a few weeks back, we we're talking about Silent Night and how do we really think the Christmas night was really a silent night with the baby and with like animals and all, all the mess, all the confusion going on. Um, 
So th there's that, uh, there's that uh, um, we need to remember that uh, this moment was a moment of great inconvenience, if you like. Um, the, as you saw from the story, Mary and Joseph were, um, they were not at home. They were in, uh, in, in Bethlehem. Uh, they were required to be there. And um, they were displaced, so to say. And I was thinking about Bollywood movies. Okay? Uh, in, if you watch any Bollywood, especially when I was growing up, uh, giving birth <laughs> is the quintessential panic story, like panic narrative. Like they're going somewhere, they need to do something important, and the, the lady has to give birth, like in, out in the wilderness or something like that. And I was just thinking about how even this scene as well, like it had to happen when they were far away from home. Like uh, no, no, uh, I mean, we, we could speculate and all that, but uh, at least we know that they are not home, comfortable in the place that uh, they are familiar in. Uh, surely you would think there would, be, there would have been a better timing, right, for this to happen. Uh, they always say that uh, you can't really um, determine when the baby has to come, the baby will come, and that's it. <laughs> uh, but surely there would have been a better timing. Uh, maybe the second child would be better. They say second child are easy, children, uh, the second child is always easier. Um, maybe when Joseph and Mary might have been mature, they would have been easier. When times were peaceful and more calm and stable, maybe that would have been an easier time. Uh, but the interesting thing is, the Bible says it was the right time. Uh, when the time came for the baby to be born, the child to be born. In Galatians chapter 4, we are also told, at the right time. So although we see all of these things happening, right? All these people bumbling about, not sure what's going on. Uh, Mary and Joseph themselves, shepherds. All of that happening was, the Bible says, it was the right time. And that's what I want to reflect on, uh, the right timing. Uh, of course, when we look at the story, in the, if you say in the political angle, we notice that Joseph and Mary were small people who were uh, necessitated by the government, the big empires, big powers. They were ordinary people who needed to go home and do this uh, almost trivial matter to, to get their names checked in for, for the census. Um, so we, we are reminded again that Mary and Joseph were normal, ordinary people, small people in, uh, in front of big empires and big powers, um, uh, almost pushed and pulled around by the whims and the fancies of, uh, of the powerful people, uh, almost as uh, it seems like that. And yet Luke chapter 2, 6, and then Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 tells us that this was the right time. This was the occasion that God has set for this to happen. All of the things that were ha going on, it was the right time and the right moment. Um, uh, this picture actually is a bit controversial, but I think this portrays the, what we might say, the, the actual experience that Mary and Joseph would have been going through. Not very clear, but you see two young couple, the, their, uh, their outside um, looks, looks almost like homeless situation. Um, but uh, this one kind of places it in, in the context of the actual experience of what Mary and Joseph might have been going through. Um, so, and yet the Bible says this was the right time. This was the right time. Uh, a few theological themes that I want to draw out from this story, this narrative here. The first uh, theme, the first theological uh, uh, theme that I want to draw out is that behind all of the troubles, behind all of the confusion, God is in control. So that's a simple theme, but it's a powerful theme that comes across in this story. Um, 
Yes, uh, Joseph and Mary were small people in front of big empires and big overlords. But the story tells us that there's a bigger God that is bigger than all of the big empires, the big em emperors. So it's true, yes, uh, this was in fact a, a big empire. At, at that time, it was, we might say it was at uh, not quite its peak, but it was getting there. It was a huge empire that spanned from Europe all the way to uh, Central Asia. And um, Caesar Augustus, his name is mentioned in, in the text. And it's quite interesting that the name is mentioned. But he is actually a very interesting figure. Some of you may know he was, uh, he is known as the first emperor, the guy who turned Rome from a republic to an empire. What that means is uh, it was a collection of many groups fighting one another. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, empire was big, but there's a lot of civil war, a lot of uh, conflicts, power grabs going on after the assassination of Julius Caesar. Caesar Augustus comes in and he solidifies all of that into one empire, one seat, and he became the emperor. Uh, this is also called, what I mentioned down there, Pax Romana, or the, the Peace of Rome, uh, in which, because of Caesar Augustus' influence, the whole area became peaceful. Uh, it, uh, there was a time of peace in the whole Roman em em Empire. There was no major wars, there was no major conflict. And it was a time when, as Luke chapter 2 says, the whole Roman world was united, so to say. Um, so, of course, there's current debate, if, if you're into all that, uh, current debate whether this Pax Romana was really peaceful or was it, was it all that glorious or was it just romantic uh, 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 memory, remembering of the past? Or was it peaceful because it was lethal in the way it subjugated its subjects? We can debate about that. What we see in the story in Luke's narrative is that he doesn't, he just tells the facts that it is uh, the whole Roman world that is unified under uh, Caesar Augustus. Uh, whatever it may be for Luke, the point is that God is in control. Yes, empire is big. Caesar Augustus is a big emperor, but God is bigger. Uh, and of course, we, know, we can see from this story itself, if we might go back to the previous slide, that um, for the people on the ground, peace is uh, a different, uh, different experience. Uh, it's, this is not quite the picture of peace that you might think of Pax Romana, but on the ground it's different. But all of that to say, uh, although Augustus Caesar as the king, the emperor, is making these laws and pushing people around, ultimately it is God's plan. It is God who makes things happen. And it is God uh, who is in control. He's the bigger God. As, uh, I just want to read out something that uh, a commentator writes. He, he writes, Ironically, the Roman emperor, the mightiest figure in the world, is serving God's plan by issuing an edict for the consensus of the whole world. He is providing the appropriate setting for the birth of Jesus, the savior of all those people who are being enrolled. So, according to Luke's narrative, in order to fulfill the prophecy that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, um, God uses the, the, the law, the edict of uh, Big emperor, big empire. God is bigger than all of this. Um, it was fascinating for, for me to learn uh, that this whole idea of Pax Romana is actually quite relevant for Christmas. Because Christmas, if you remember, Christmas is about peace as well, right? Peace on earth, which is the theme for the sermon today. And when the angels showed up to the shepherds in a few verses down in Luke chapter 2, they say, Glory to God in the highest, 
and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. And a lot of uh, scholars, commentators say that this is a, at least an indirect um, kind of a hint at Pax Romana. Uh, this claim that this big emperor has created peace for this whole world, whole Roman world. Um, Christ comes as a kind of a contradiction or as a fuller uh, depiction of that peace. Um, a, a big quote, but I think this is worth quote, quoting and just going through. Uh, this is by, let me just try and get his name, Raymond Brown. Um, and he says, It can scarcely be accidental that Luke's description of the birth of Jesus presents an implicit challenge to this imperial propaganda, not by denying the imperial ideals, but by claiming that the real peace of the world was brought about by Jesus. The testimony to the Pax Christi or peace of Christ was not a man-made altar such as that erected to the Pax Augusta. Rather, there was a heavenly host that proclaimed peace to those favored by God. The birthday worthy of divine honor and marking the true new beginning of time took place not in Rome, but in Bethlehem. The claim in the praying inscription of Augustus, the birthday of the God has, been, has marked the beginning of the good news for the world, has been interpreted by an angel of the Lord with the herald, heraldic cry, I announce to you good news of great joy, which will be for all the whole people. To you this day there is born in the city of David a Savior who is Messiah and Lord. A remarkable uh, piece of information in which uh, God shows himself to be bigger and God's peace shown to be truer and more real than the claims of Rome and uh, Caesar Augustus. So the first theological theme that uh, Luke tells us is that behind all of these troubles, God is in control. And yet, in, on the ground, as, as we mentioned the, the picture earlier, um, all of that is great in theory, but it's still true that this was still a time of troubles for, for the people. Uh, time of political trouble, time of uh, social uh, kind of tensions as well. Uh, it was a time of inconvenience, as we, we mentioned earlier. Uh, Although Pax Romana looks good on paper, on the ground it was a time of disruption. Uh, people were being displaced. Uh, they were ultimately subjects. And that fact remains that they are still small people in front of big empires. And I, I think this picture also sums it up quite well. Um, this picture is, uh, is uh, the original title is in French, but uh, the translation is Massacre of the Innocents. Um, very interesting picture, but this is a picture of Christmas. And some of you, uh, you would know the story that later on, after Jesus was born, King Herod became paranoid that the king of the Jews has been born. And so he ordered that all babies be, be killed uh, at a certain age uh, to make sure that if Jesus, or if the king was born, uh, that the child would also be killed. And he ordered this mass uh, massacre of, of babies during that time. Again, a horrendous... Um, uh, mad kind of regime to live under. And this picture shows, of course, the mother protecting the child, uh, making sure that she's uh, keeping the baby safe. Again, this is not the rosy picture of Christmas that we would normally associate, but this is the fact on the ground that it was, this was still, even though the peace of Christ has been proclaimed on the ground, the experiences are a lot different, a lot more complex. I want us, just for this part, to think about Mary for a bit. Uh, Mary's, if you, if you look at Mary, um, what Mary does in 
Luke chapter 2. It's really fascinating. And I've never really looked at it in, in um, kind of uh, closely before, but uh, I think it's a very interesting case study of somebody in a time of trouble and yet showing peace, showing kind of calm and collectedness. Uh, in a way, she's at the center of all this mess, right? She's the one delivering the baby. Um, she's doing it at all. And um, she's probably the one who's more stressed out. Um, if, any, if anyone would be worn out, if anyone would be stressed, it would be Mary. She would be stressed, she would be bothered. And again, this is my guess, but um, my, my, uh, she, uh, I, my guess is that she would have been bothered, she would have been really troubled that uh, they are, yes, the baby has been born, but um, this is not their best place. This uh, manger is not quite the hospital kind of treatment. She's not at home. And yet she shows this impressive kind of peace and calm in this, uh, in this story. And what I'm the most struck by is the way she's so intentional in, uh, in everything that she does. In verse 7, she says, she gave birth. She wrapped the baby and she laid him on a manger. There's intentionality. There's, uh, um, she's doing it all. She's not just, uh, she, you know, she's taking it all in a stride. Uh, she's very confident. Almost seems like she's confident. And she's, yeah, she's like calm and collected and ready. She's ready for, for what she's going through. Of course, you can never really be ready, I think. But she's, to the extent possible, I think she's ready. She's in the moment. If you keep reading chapter 2, go down to verse um, when the angels uh, show up uh, at the birth of Jesus. And let me check the exact verse. So verse 17 onwards, or this is in verse 19. We are told that Mary observed all of this and she stored up, treasured all of these things in her heart. In other words, she was there in the moment. Uh, she was observing. She was attentive. Um, and we can imagine, like, she's been told by the angel a few, few months back that she's going to have a baby. And we can imagine that she's been anticipating, right? What, how is this going to take place? She's, I'm, I'm really curious how it's going to take place. And she must have been, built, the expectation, anticipation must have been building up for nine months. And this has finally happened. And she's fully there. She's fully attentive to what God is doing in this midst, to what people are saying. Um, and all the while, as she, uh, as she goes through all of this, experiences all of this, uh, she grows in faith and she grows in peace as well. In the midst of all of that chaos that's going on, she's calm, she's collected, she's open to what's going on. Uh, we know that even in an inn, in a guest room, this is not the most comfortable location. And not to mention an inn, this is a manger and uh, a stable. This is, the, this is not the, the most stable and comfortable place, and yet that's not, seems like that's not her concern. The, and Luke says, when the time came, when it was the right time, Mary gave birth to a son. The time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. I think she's able to be calm and to be at peace because she understands she may not be able to understand completely at that moment, but she feels and she knows that God is with them. God is with them. Emmanuel, God is with them. Um, she's, uh, Jesus is the son of God, as uh, Galatians chapter 4, oh, I don't have it here, I think. Let me, yeah, Galatians chapter 4, we are told, when a time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman. This is God's son, and yet this is also Mary's son. Um, 
Mary understood that this was God's presence with them in that place, in, in that manger. So yes, there were troubles and disruptions, but God was with them. Yes, this was Bethlehem, uh, an unknown corner in the great Roman Empire, Empire, but God was with them. Yes, this was a manger, but God was with them. Yes, they were inexperienced young couple, displaced couple away from home, but God is with them. Just a lot of pictures, but I want to show you one more picture. And this picture is um, um, the nativity scene in Bethlehem Lutheran Church. We know what's going on in Bethlehem in Gaza. And this is, this is a, kind of a, um, a representation of uh, Christ's presence, the presence of Christ in the rubbles of war. More specifically, in, in the church in Bethlehem, um, uh, this is kind of a, uh, a symbol that, uh, yes, the, the, yes, the rubble, yes, the wars continue, but God can be there. In fact, Christ was born in such a moment of crisis, in such a moment of, uh, of brokenness and confusion. Uh, and this is a powerful reminder, I think, for us, uh, as Margaret said uh, in, in the prayer, when there's a lot of things going on around us, there's a lot of uh, things that, misinterpret and uh, confuses us as well powerful reminders like this tell us that Christ was born in the rubble um, and of course this is a powerful picture that even there in, even in the rubbles God can be there God can work and God can move even there he has not abandoned us in that rubble yes we are small people we are small places we are small lives in the context of the big world but God is with us so I want to encourage us today uh, from the, this story, but from the, the example of Mary, and suggest that Mary's peace, the way she was peaceful, is um, a good way to think about how we can be in the world. Realistic. She knows and she's, uh, she's living in the moment. She's un she understands the, the problems that she has, the challenges that she has. She's realistic. She's conscious of all the situation that she's in. She's not in denial of the realities. And yet, she's also mindful of, uh, of something that seems to be more real for us, which is that God is with her. She's at peace, even in the midst of all the troubles and the rubbles. She's at peace. And I want you to think about um, your scene, your homes, maybe even your room. Okay? And in my mind, I, I didn't want to show it here because... It, um, it's not a very pretty picture, but I thought of a photo that we took uh, a few years back when it was in the middle of semester, Vimy has exams, and like I had my thesis to write. Ringswan was like being a toddler, and everything is upside down the house. I took a photo of from memory, and I thought of that picture, and it's like even in that mess, God can be there, right? God can be real uh, in the rubble, in the loneliness, and in the... Uh, what seems like brokenness of, not, not broken, I'm making it a bit dramatic here, but in where things are not as it could be, God is there. Where we are, God is with us. And so if you think about Silent Night, just go back, going back to Silent Night, I think there's a way that we can think of Silent Night that makes sense. If you think of Silent Night, Holy Night, all is calm, all is bright, the kids are going to come up and sing, and uh, let's, um, the words say, all is calm, all is bright. I think, it makes sense if you think of the peace of God, uh, peace that is not dismissive or forgetful or uh, deluded with the realities of the world, but peace because God is with us, 
beast because in the midst of trouble and in the midst of the ordinariness of life, in the pictures that you may imagine of your own spaces, even there, God can be with us. And I think that's why Christmas is a picture of peace. Not because, uh, not because we can paint it in a rosy picture uh, or we can romanticize of it uh, uh, in multiple ways, but because God is with us and he has made himself real to us in our presence. Shall we pray? And then we'll continue singing. And I just want to invite you to, again, think about your, your world. Maybe you're thinking about the wars or you're thinking about your home or thinking about the, the tensions or any, anything that you might think of. Um, think about your world, think about your rooms, your spaces, and remember that the birth of Christ brings peace on earth in the midst of where we are, that God is with us. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you have reached down to us and you meet us where we are. We ask, Lord, that you will fill us with hope afresh this Christmas, that you will inspire us to live out our faith uh, and it'll help us to, to be like Mary, to be attentive to your presence and to your leading in our world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.